welcome to probably the weirdest episode of Daily Delivery you've ever heard. I hope it's great, though. I've had a great time in North Carolina all weekend. I've got all my friends here who I've spent almost the entire weekend with, except for our friend Tim, who's not here, probably taking a nap right now. Do you guys think? <laughs> probably. That's my friend. That's my friend Keith's little boy, Stephen. I've got Keith here. Um, he was gracious enough to have us down here for a whole weekend to see the Gophers play North Carolina on Saturday. We've done a bunch of other stuff all weekend long. Had a lot of fun. My friend Paul is here. Say hi, Paul. Hey, everybody. Got my friend Rob here. Hi. John Marthaler, who you probably know from other podcast episodes, as long as Keith, as well as Keith, obviously, too. The new studio looks good here. I think this is a good place to do this. It's probably where we'll be recording probably 100 or 200 other podcast episodes in the future, or maybe none, never again. We'll see. Daily Delivery South. Get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> the extremely loud laughter is Stephen, but that's okay. Guys, uh, it's been an amazing week. I want to give a weekend recap because primarily we've been down here watching a lot of sports. We came down here primarily to see the Gophers North Carolina game on Saturday. But the whole weekend recap is basically got in late, late Friday. Rob, John, Paul, and myself endured a kind of a nightmarish rental car story that maybe we'll get into here in a little bit. Um, rental car was not really available till Saturday morning, but... Apparently that's kind of common here in North Carolina. Maybe you can explain that to me, Keith, how that happened. But uh, um, I, I live here. I he lives here. A car yeah, he did. That's I'm true. Not, I, I got not state, state law requires there to be fewer cars than actual people who want. It's probably not the foremost expert mean? on renting cars because you do live here. What does that mean? What does what mean? Renting a car? No. What What Paul just said. That's not Paul. It's John. Oh. Stephen and Stephen had a full weekend too. He played a lot of youth sports. We saw Keith. Uh, we saw Stephen play. Soccer on Saturday morning. We went to fabulous lunch. We saw the Gopher game, which we're going to talk about quite a bit here in a little bit. Usually on Mondays, as you guys probably know, Patrick Royce is on. But I was out of town this weekend. Royce was in. Uh, it was at Harvard watching St. Thomas play Harvard. Also on a little bit of a vacation there. So um, that uh, that being what uh, what he was up to, we decided to make this the Monday show. Um, did a bunch of other stuff. Tried to play tried to play golf on Sunday morning. We're unsuccessful. End up playing disc golf, kind of, kind of, with in a manner of speaking, with six twenty-five cent frisbees that we bought at Walmart. Anyone who's actually played disc golf would be furious at us for suggesting that we play disc golf. <laughs> we played like two and a half holes of disc golf at a course that we found. It was the second we we tried hard to play disc golf. <laughs> we went to a second disc golf course after the first one was occupied by a tournament. Is that what was wrong? A disc golf yeah, yeah. tournament of some kind, yeah. yeah. The course was closed to the public. <laughs> Which was a surprise to us. And the first golf course we showed up at, we thought we didn't need a tee time, but I guess we did. <laughs> Apparently we did. Uh, for the last 15 years, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's, basically, that's, a, that's the basic recap. We've also like had a lot of good food, watched some football. Um, this is recording Sunday night. Later tonight, we're probably going to go watch Keith play some old man hockey, as he likes to call it. But, gentlemen, I want to leave. I want to open the floor up to you guys because that's what I do here. I talk a lot, but everybody else wants to talk a lot. I want to hear from everybody's perspective. We're going to go around the table right now. What are the best and worst things that happened this weekend? Start with you, Paul. Well, the best has got to be having. Um Tickets in the Touchdown Club at uh, UNC. That was fabulous. The UNC Gopher game. 
Um, and then the flip side was the worst was having such a close up view of that gopher's disaster and their lack of any chance, any risk taking in, in the game. But yeah. uh, that touchdown club was just an amazing yeah, to watch a game. The seats were amazing. Rob, what was your what, what was your highlights and, and lowlights of this weekend? Yeah, I agree. The touchdown club was fantastic. Um, just the entire experience of going to the game, being on campus, uh, at a major college for a sporting event. And it's the first time I've been to a Gophers football game away. Um, and it was it was impressive to see all the other Minnesota fans in attendance. Uh, but yeah, well, actually, the worst part was the car rental part. I was going to say the worst <laughs> part. The worst part was some of the so decision making during. We might as well talk game. about that now. We might as well talk about the car rental. Are we allowed to say the name of the company? No, I mean we don't need to. I'll I'll, I'll be writing them a strongly worded email from my Star Tribune account. <laughs> There was. We'll just say this way. There was once a long time ago. There were two car rental companies that were battling for being number one. This was neither one of those. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But they said we had a reservation. Um, We showed up. It was late. We were not the only ones to have this problem. There was a very long line. We had a late flight Friday, getting in at like eleven thirty in the Raleigh Durham area, and we go to get our car and we get off the shuttle. Everything seems okay but there's a long line when we get there and like we're all like me paul john ringo whenever i mention you guys in tandem my wife always makes a beatles joke as long as you guys are on the road trip so anyway um we all are like well this doesn't look great because there's like maybe 25 or 30 groups ahead of us in line and None of them seemed particularly happy, and it was late, like we wanted to get to the hotel. Eventually, like an hour and a half later, the line was barely moved, and they, did, they announced that there's no cars, which seems strange because the parking lot was full of cars. If you've, never, if you've never seen a line of 30 people at 1 in the morning and just felt the utter waves of frustration rolling off them as they see a car rental employee leaving to go out the door to see if they have any cars they can find in the lot... It's an experience you wouldn't want. It's breathtaking. It was breathtaking. But uh, the upshot was we took a uh, a Lyft or an Uber. It doesn't matter at this point. We took a... a, We were transported to our hotel. Went back... Some great sports podcasting. We're telling this... I'm telling... Setting the scene for the whole weekend. We're telling the story! We go back the next morning. We get our car. And it's okay. Because we get to the... We get everything done that we're going to do. We go to the soccer game. We get to the football game in plenty of time. And... Um, John, I forgot, I kind of cut you off. What are, what are your highlights and lowlights of the weekend? What was your, what was your best and worst moments? Mm, I think the lowlight was watching Keith walk across the UNC campus trying to high-five Gopher fans, all of whom reacted. I mean, this is just a Minnesota thing, I think. But all of them reacted like Keith was about to try to steal their wallet. Yeah. He was like, high-five up top, drop your Gophers, yeah. Yeah. And all of them were like, So, that's, you know. I get it, Minnesotans. I'm right there with you. I think my highlight was visiting the old well on the North Carolina campus. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. I didn't, I didn't know anything about the old well. I didn't know anything about the old well. Apparently, apparently I've seen this on logos, right, Keith? Yeah. This is what you This is the symbol of North Carolina. It's the thing that's on everybody's cards. Every basketball game, they always show it at some point in time. The old well is the thing that you know as the symbol of UNC. As, as it turns out, I have seen it before, but I thought it was like a bell tower. But we went and visited to take our picture with it, and it's a drinking fountain. 
There's a drinking. That's the symbol of old as well. North Carolina. Yeah, the old is a drinking fountain. Well, I feel like they well at one point in time. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm a little disappointed in the University of North. It's it's the South. It's supposed to be tradition and pageantry, and there's a drinking fountain. That's the 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 height of the height of campus. Drinking out of a well (laughs) is not traditional (laughs) enough for you. I, that's not enough. You're not getting to enough of the, the old we're, school. We're walking from How old school in the South do you want to get, John? <laughs> we're walking from where we park to the, the football game, and Keith diverts us halfway through. He's like, oh, we should go now. Let's go now and go see the old well. Yeah. And I think every one of us said something like, the one that Timmy fell down? Yeah. I had no idea. So I learned something about the University of North Carolina, and that was my highlight. I, I guess I presume that you pay attention when you're watching the basketball games, but no, okay. no, I don't pay attention to that. Fair enough, fair enough. Steven, what were your favorite parts of this weekend, and maybe what was your least favorite part of this weekend? Probably my least favorite part. I kind of I agree with John. Just just watch my dad walk around, give other <laughs> Minnesota fans high fives like he knows them. <laughs> Were you embarrassed by your dad? No, I, I was just surprised that he was doing that. <laughs> you know what? I've known your dad for like 35 years. I was not surprised. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, he's exhibited that kind of like, behavior for pretty much his whole life. I agree with that. I yeah. agree with that. Okay. All right. Well, did, was there anything that you really liked about this weekend? I mean, you got to meet members of the Carolina yeah, Hurricanes. I got Seth Jarvis autograph. Awesome. You love the Hurricanes. Yeah. How many goals did you score this weekend? Two. Two? Two soccer goals. What, did, what were your celebrations afterwards? I did the Gertie and you were called. It's so the Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo celebration. celebration. Yeah. yeah. Did the Ronaldo celebration as well. I don't know what that's called. John, do you know what that's called? I just know everybody goes, Sue, when he does it. Okay. That's, yeah, I, maybe yeah. that's the name for it? No. Anyway, I tried to walk out after that one. Wait. In Spanish, that means yes. So the celebration is probably not called yes. <laughs> probably not called yes. Okay. Well, that's a, you had a lot of highlights this week. Yeah, you didn't have as many bad moments. You were not in the line for the probably, rental car. Probably the best part was our seats yeah. at the football game. Yes, those were awesome. Those were amazing seats. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. All right, Keith. Highlights and lowlights. Look, I only express myself in poetry on this podcast. Oh, yeah. 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 In case you guys didn't put this together, Keith is the... Uh, the very good friend of mine who's on the uh, during the Vikings season, usually on Tuesdays with his Vikings poetry. He has Gophers poetry, I believe. I have, a, I have a couple of haiku if you'd like to talk about the game now. Sure. I, I think we're ready to talk about the game because that was a game that's worth talking about. Okay. Haiku number one. Okay. Gophku. 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 Yuku? Whatever. Yuku? Yuku. When we row the boat, do we make bad decisions yes. that are cowardly? I might have said that. While we were in the touchdown club watching the game directly, the touchdown club, by the way, is like basically right behind the end zone. Like if you saw them struggling to put up the net at all during the game as you were watching on TV or whether you're in attendance. As UNC was scoring, not the Gophers. You know what? Listen, 
you guys, I want to hear what you guys think, but and we talked about this plenty already just as we were talking about things as over the weekend, but I don't understand why they didn't go for it in the second half. And they had two possessions in the second half. They're down. I think at one point it was either 21-13 or 24-13. It's like getting late, like late third, early fourth. They don't go for it. They punt. Like one of them was like fourth and nine. Like, you know, maybe that's too early to go for it. I mean, I'm kind of aggressive on fourth downs. I like the analytics. I like the like, yeah, you, you got to go for it. You got to try it. But the other one was like a fourth and two, a fourth and three from midfield. And it's still 24-13 at that point. And listen, like the talent deficit in this game, I think, was pretty obvious, especially at quarterback. I don't think this was the difference in the game. We can talk about how good Drake May was, how bad Ethan Calic-Mattis was in this game, how his receivers didn't, didn't do him favors, how there was some, some key moments. But this is like a recurring theme with, with P.J. Fleck, that in these moments – a lot of times, I feel like he lacks game feel. And in this game, I thought it was really bad form to punt in those situations. I think they just played Nebraska too many times. Because Nebraska, you just have to be there. Then Nebraska will beat themselves in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's... I don't know. I don't know what I expected. But, but here's the thing, right? And, and I'm not the first person to point this out, but it needs to be pointed out again that we have this perception of P.J. Fleck as this new school coach who does all these crazy things that speak to the kids nowadays. But he is a fundamentally conservative football coach yes. to the point where it's just utterly frustrating with what he with some of the choices that he makes. And, and we said it before during the course of this weekend, as far as I'm concerned, if you could keep... 70% of P.J. Fleck. If he could keep the recruiting and the, the building the culture and what have you, that would be great. If you could get somebody else to actually coach the football games, that, I think, would also be ideal. Yeah, but that said, if I was P.J. Fleck, after watching my quarterbacks winging around like that, I'd be installing the single wing this week. Just well, go to the straight wing D and do a lot of fake handoffs. So he, Every he, time the ball was in the air, it was a potential disaster. He has produced a game plan that has allowed the Gophers to have the most success that I have seen in my lifetime. So again, you want to keep at least 70% of him, right? And it's not like he's, he's terrible. It's not like you want to run him out of town, but there are times when that conservative approach is, is not called for, particularly when you have the talent deficit and you need to do something to win a game like this. This is a 20th ranked team in the country and they gave you two interceptions from your Heisman Trophy candidate, right? You need to be bold and aggressive, and you need to make things happen. And if you're not going to do that, then then you're not giving yourself the best chance to win. And when, when you're on the road like that, you have to try to win. You can't just yeah. wait to not lose. I might have shouted at the guy, the North Carolina fan who kept calling Drake May, a Heisman Trophy candidate, especially yeah. after he punted. After, after he punted, he said, that's Heisman Trophy football right there. Because of his punting? I might have yelled back at him after that second interception something about the Heisman Trophy candidate. I might have what did you that. yell at him? Like, that's a Heisman Trophy quarterback! I might have yelled at him. But, yeah, it was all <laughs> I'm sure that he was very good. It was all in good fun. It was all in good fun. It was team away, team boys. But it was, yeah, I mean, that wasn't the difference in the game, but it was frustrating. It's frustrating all at once to see them play like that because it's it's just not it's not good football against good teams. Rob and Paul, you've been awfully silent. I can only agree. I can only assume you agree. They're odd by Keith's poetry. 
Well, of course, who isn't? But uh, absolutely, the the thing that leapt out at me was how it um, it doesn't send a good message to your team if you're on fourth if fourth and two, relatively late, maybe halfway through the fourth quarter, and you you're down by what were they down by eleven at that point? Not at that point, twenty four thirteen. Yeah, the, and they had trouble scoring all day. Just the fact that you're not going to go for it. I mean, that just says to your team that I, it, it's, it's sort of waving the white flag. I, I thought it was a poor message to to give to the team and to the fans. Yeah, I, I think my biggest problem with it was actually the fact that they kind of lined up as if they were going to go for it on fourth down when they very clearly were not thinking about going for it at all. Um, and then they run the, the punt team out late, and then they punt it away. And two plays later, their North Carolina's right back there anyway after a couple of plays. So, um, yeah, not only did they punt it, they almost didn't take a timeout to punt it. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was fourth and three from their own 40 with, like, uh, let's see, like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like, and, and it came from a second and two. Where no second and ten, third and third, two, third and two, third and two, fourth and three. Right, third and two, and they. It seems like you gotta kind of think, what if we don't pick up this third down yeah. here? Are we gonna go for it on fourth down? Right. And so you're thinking four down territory. Or if you're not, then then run that pass play that they did. I mean, when the other team has a Heisman Trophy candidate, a quarterback who's already thrown for 340 <laughs> yards, what you want is your defense on the field. The best way to win that game is to give the ball to the best player on yeah, the field. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure, you don't, make sure you don't have a chance to make it a one-score game. Make sure you put it back on your defense to stop Drake May again. And Drake May was awesome. I thought he was really good in that game. He, he picked them apart. Like, the difference between what he does and what Ethan Calicmanis does at this point in the career is night and day. Like I think Calicmanis still can be a good quarterback. I think he's taken some lumps this season. Like maybe we got a little too excited with what we saw at the end of last season. You know when when he really did well against Wisconsin, he looked good in the bowl game, things like that. But I think he can still be good. But like Drake May is like he's going to be a, probably a first round pick, maybe in purple. We can talk about that in a little bit. But uh, it's, it's, it's a long, a long way from here to there. But you know there's. So some uh, some suspicions among this group that the Vikings might not be uh, quite uh, quite going back to the playoffs this year, if you know what I mean. But well, let me ask you this about Cali Manis. Yeah. What's your worry level on a scale of like one to ten? What's your worry level about him? It's, this is his third year. He's not like a freshman who was playing high school football last year. This is third year. They had a couple of deep throws he missed. He made a bad throw to Span Ford that ended up getting picked after Span Ford. These are these are throws he's got to be able to make at this point in his career. He can't make those throws right now. Well, your worry levels after this one, your worry level has got to be increasing just from a technical point of trying to make the throws he needs to make. Yeah. And you saw that from North. You saw that from Drake May, who can make those throws. So, what about the other variable, though, in the sense that even though they win a lot of these games, PJ Flex teams never look good <laughs> until the season starts rolling a little bit. Yeah. Once they get into the Big Ten part of the schedule. They seem to play a lot better, look a lot better. They never look like they're actually prepared to start the season, which is why scheduling the number 20 team in the country is maybe not your, your best choice in that, you know, which, when I know they all do it years in the head, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Right. Just, just, yes. I'm on a roll. I hear you. I'm I on a roll. I get you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this isn't Zoom. So, you know, if, if history holds true yet again this year, uh, he may very well end up looking better. They may start clicking a little bit more. So I'm willing to give it more time this season to see how it goes. 
uh, particularly because I, I just don't think they're very good when they start the season. So I, my worry level is not particularly high right now, but I, I think that he's better than what they had. Right, and so well, yeah. But I mean, start. he has the he has the potential to be better than that. I don't think he's better than Tanner Morgan right now, based on his accuracy. Like Tanner Morgan had a lot of good games for them. I think he's got the potential to be that level of quarterback that can win bigger games than Tanner Morgan could win. But I, don't I mean, think he's there yet. Kelly McManus can run a little bit, which yes. Morgan couldn't do, which yes. is obviously an improvement. But even if you look back at Morgan, he didn't get better. For no. his 15 years in college. No. no. I, by the time he was a 15-year veteran, he was not that much better than he was when he was a junior. No. And so it may be a development problem, but Tanner Morgan also had a significantly better offensive line. True. And so and two NFL wide receivers during his best season. Right. So, so you know, this kid, I think, still has some, some – he clearly has room to grow – but I think he, he can, there's the potential still there simply because he is in a much different set of circumstances and they're actually asking him to throw in the way that they didn't for Tanner Morgan. My concern was his accuracy in that yeah. game, that he was just off on so many throws and that's like, it's hard to teach accuracy and I don't think he's on balance a really inaccurate quarterback. So it might have just been. The game was kind of fast. It was probably one of the better teams he's going to face. It was on the road and, you know, it wasn't a hostile environment, but it was, you know, it was, a, it was a road game against a good team. He probably was wanting to show that he was a, a high caliber quarterback against a team that has a high caliber quarterback. And it, it's not like the moment was too big for him, but he didn't rise to that level. I think maybe he, it, it might have gotten away from him a little bit in terms of he tried to do too much and be too good, wanted it too much, and it didn't work out for him. And can I also just say that it's very clear that we have two experienced podcasters here, and a gas professor, and Paul and Rob. <laughs> and Stephen. And Stephen. And Stephen. Paul and Rob, who, are, who just, like, look terrified as soon as I asked you that question. I'm like, ah, he's asking me to weigh in on this? Um, well, um, I like football, the North American variety, and uh, no, I'm just kidding, guys. I, um, we're all like we're all U of M alums. We've seen thirty years of Gopher football to you know, or more than that. So to our misfortune. We're not complaining about necessarily what what the direction of this program is, but we're kind of at the point now where you're nitpicking and wanting this program to get to a slightly bigger level. And this was the kind of game where you're like, okay, if they could win this game, then you feel like, okay, this isn't supposed to be a great year, but they went on the road and beat the number 20 team in the country with a, with a, you know, potential top five pick quarterback. They didn't look like they were in the same class as North Carolina for a lot of the day, even quarterback aside. I, I mean, I kind of disagree with that. I think okay. they were in North Carolina's class except for the difference at quarterback. Okay. I think, but of the other 21 positions on the field, I think it was a pretty even game. The Gophers had a lot of success running the ball. They did. North Carolina couldn't run the ball. I think May had about half of their rushing yards. Everything but the deep downfield throws and the third down conversions that North Carolina had, which so many of them were. Yeah, they were like 12 of 17 at third down. Which, and so many of them were just easy 10-yard button hooks that make it hit, and that wasn't something the Gophers had a quarterback. I think that was the biggest difference between the teams. I think we need more poetry. Which speaks to my second high Yes. Point. All right. UNC is good. More talent than the Gophers, yet they beat themselves. What does that mean? 
It means exactly what what um, Stephen is, and every man listens. Stephen speaking the truth of all those who have wondered about Keith's haikus over the years. But it, it means what what John said in that that in many ways they're evenly matched. I do think North Carolina does have a little bit more talent, but the real disparity is exactly what you pointed out, John, is at quarterback, and ultimately this team. I think the Gophers beat themselves by not being aggressive, right? Not doing the things that you need to do when you know that you have that talent disparity, particularly at the most important position on the field. And so they ended up, by their conservative calling and and some of the choices that they made, end up not giving themselves the chance to win. And that might be why... Fleck decided to punt on fourth down because he knew the personnel that he had and he knows more about football than we do, but he sees him as... Are you sure? Well, <laughs> He knows more about wearing sweaters on an 85-degree day than we do. I actually have more respect for him for that. No, I... I, I sat in that as, I in, in the sun. And I would have burst into flames if I was wearing yeah. PJ Fleck was wearing that. So he still looked pretty good over there with his silly little sweater on, but... <laughs> it's, it's like... It's like whenever somebody would ask Zimmer about, you know, let's see the third string quarterback. He's like, well, I see him at practice every day. Right. You know, he knows what he's got. And I think he knew that maybe we just had no chance of getting this. Yeah, that could be, which is. So awesome. you want your head football coach to just give up then? Who do you think? <laughs> yeah. is, that, is that what, what you're looking for out of a head football coach? Why yeah. are <laughs> well, we're not good enough. General. Yeah. We're not good enough. Let's just punt. Steven, you had a point to me. Drake May and Justin Jefferson would actually be good on a team? Well, that's a great great segue into what I think should be a bigger NFL discussion because we got to sit after after we went to a Durham Bulls game on uh, on Sunday, which was great. We got to sit and watch some baseball. This is, of course, part of the great baseball road trip. This is a trip that I've taken with these guys, a lot of these guys over the years. This is you know, the first one, Keith and I did, like, the original trip back in, like, 97, but the first, like, group trip was 2000. Rob was on that trip. Paul and John have been on numerous trips since then. This is the first one we've done since 2019, owing to a variety of circumstances, the first and foremost being COVID-19, interrupting our, our whole, kind of, everybody's life for a while there. And so it felt good to be back in that and to be back at a baseball game, but we did get to watch... A lot of football after that baseball game was over. We got to watch some of the late NFL games. We were kind of tracking everything else. And naturally, you know, a lot of us grew up watching the Vikings. I still like, you know, help cover the Vikings to an extent. You know, on the Access Vikings podcast, I'm out there at least once a week. I'm not a beat writer, of course, and I'll cover the team day in and day out. But I, I still watch every single Vikings game. These guys do a lot too. I'm a Paul's a Packers fan, so we don't. Know. <laughs> we tried, Paul's we tried to give him away to a Packers Paul's fan. We saw the Durham Bulls game. But Paul's out of this discussion. Um, Paul, you can go back to. Um, no, it's kidding. You can, you can talk Packers on it. But, um, like, there is, like, this thought, like, we watched. Zach Wilson played terrible today for the Jets, save for one really nice throw where they scored their touchdown. He was like, I can't remember what the final numbers like were like, but they were very Calic like <laughs> today. If we may, if we may, you if we may coin a term. I don't think that's going to be how Calic Manis's career arc is, but like Zach Wilson is not that guy. Like, and if the Jets think they have a defense, they're going to have to go get a quarterback at a certain point. I think as as much as Aaron Rodgers wants to make us believe that he might come back this year. A, Almost 40-year-old man is not coming back from a torn Achilles in four months. It's just not happening. He just wants to stay 
in some sort of relevant conversation. So there is a school of thought that might suggest that if the Vikings' fortunes fall enough this year before the trade, date, trade deadline, would there be a match to trade Kirk Cousins to the Jets? And at that point, the Vikings' season would have to be going off the rails. The Jets' season would still have to be good enough for them to think they could still make the playoffs if they were a quarterback away. And at that point, the Vikings would be turning things over to presumably either Nick Mullins or Jaron Hall. And the season would be officially, they'd be punting on the season. And they could, you know, theoretically be on their way to a three or four win season that could net them a quarterback of the future like Drake May, like my young friend Stephen here is talking about, who he would love to see play someday with his favorite receiver, Justin Jefferson. Now, we're a long ways away from that discussion. The Vikings are 0 2. They're 0 2. They played two relatively close games. They're not even in the discussion of. They're in that mode. You want them to be in that mode already. Look, look. I do not like tanking. I'm not a big fan of tanking, but I. Then why do you want them to tank? Because I believe that if there was ever a year, this is the year. This is the year that they should just win two games, only two games at most, right? Because they do have pieces, right? They have lots of good pieces with Jefferson, Hawkinson, not just Hawkins. <laughs> With Hawkinson, right? <laughs> you tried to tell me last week on the show that you didn't mess his name up. You're like, no, it's not Hawkinson. He did not say Hawkinson. I did not. But they've got – it wouldn't be a traditional rebuild. This isn't a five-year or three- or five- or seven-year project. They've got some pieces in place. And if you have that young, cheap, good quarterback, you could turn it around much more quickly. And so they would be stuck. If Kirk keeps doing what Kirk does, gets them to seven, eight, nine, ten wins, they're just still stuck in that same place. So if there was ever one season where I wanted them to only win two games, this is it with these big time quarterbacks coming out in the draft that I have never in my life, starting with what happened these last two weeks now, I find myself rooting against this team in a way that I have never done during my Vikings fandom. They seem to be rooting, rooting against themselves, too, with the way they're playing. Well, they, themselves. they clearly do not like touching the football. And holding on to the football. And right. valuing the football. Right. Just, here, take it. Go. Let it go. What What do you guys think, John? Uh, and you, especially you, Rob. I mean, it probably can be a tanking discussion, too. What do you think about the idea of... Where, I mean, they were 13-4 and four last year, so they're only 0-2 right now. We all know that they weren't a great 13-4 and four team, and it feels like we're, we're probably jumping the gun a little bit on this conversation, but it feels like people are going here already. Is this how you feel about this team yet? Well, the, there's a couple of problems here. Number one, they're going to have trouble fumbling the football enough to lose every game. That's their main problem so far. How do you say that, bud? <laughs> well, I did look up the NFL record for fumbles the other day, so we're on the way. They only lost eight fumbles all of last season. They've lost six already this year. <laughs> Yeah, and if, after today, when you look at the division, I mean, we can win the division and make the playoffs with the Suns. Do you play for the Vikings? We? Do you play we. For the Vikings? we. Okay. I have, I have a Vikings t-shirt. Okay. You're, you're, <laughs> you're allowed to be a fan. You're I'm committed. Yeah, you're committed. Same. Paul, what do you think about the idea of tanking in general? Or if not outright trying to lose, the idea of, hey, it's not so bad to lose sometimes. I'm not a big fan of tanking. I agree with with Keith. You uh, you know, again, looking at it from your city's perspective, your fan, the fans' perspective, you want to put you want to put all your effort out there and lay it all out on the field, and uh, it it's just not a good look to do that. 
organizationally. So um, I can't see that the Vikings would would do that, but who knows how the season will end. I do agree with Rob. It could be a sub-500 record that'll win this division. I mean, this... I mean, what the... The Lions were supposed to be the toast of the division, and they are at home. Football veil syndrome. Yes, yeah. it is. And the Packers lost today, sorry. But you you are also coming from the perspective of someone who's had been a fan of a team that's had two great quarterbacks over the last 30 years. That's spanned the entirety. And I don't think Jordan Love is maybe on that arc, but I think he's at least good. Um, he looks like he's good at least so far against two bad teams, but he's put up good numbers and in kind of limited effort. So it's probably different when your fan base is that desperate for a quarterback. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. But um, I, I still just don't think it's a good feeling to just uh, throw the game away um, just to say, hey, let's be better next year. Yeah. Yeah, and the players, I mean, you got to get everybody to buy into tanking. Yeah. And I don't think the players are no, going to want to do it. Or... You don't, no, you don't get every, you, you recognize that you're never going to get the players to, to buy into tanking. So you do what you need to do. You trade Kirk Cousins, you trade Daniel Hunter, you get rid of the, the players that might actually help and fire some jobs. Well, you don't do that. Just kidding. You do not do that. Right, so you don't need organizational. You don't need full organizational buy-in. You need the key people in the organization to structure the team so that you can do that. So soft tank is what you're. No, no, it's a full quiet tank. The people who get to decide who if the team is going to tank is limited. And it's never the players, right? But you can manufacture things, and that begins with getting Kirk Cousins to the Jets. You don't, have, you don't have to have Mark Madsen shoot seven three-pointers in overtime <laughs> to tank. The other, the other problem that you have, though, is if you're talking about, oh, they want to get a high draft pick so they can get a quarterback, you've still got the same guys picking the quarterback. That If you end up with quarterback Lewisine, you're not going to make any steps forward anyway. Yeah. I'm not sure you want to take this front office and be like, all right, guys, Let's hand you a top draft pick and rebuild the franchise with one one swing right here. If you have a top two pick, though, and you have a chance at, let's say, these two guys like Caleb Williams and Drake May, let's say that's one, two in the draft. Like, it's not hard to make that pick, even if your selections so far haven't been, or maybe you're called into question so far. You had a point, though, Steve. What were you going to say? Do you remember? No, I actually don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. That's okay. Good Vikings fan. That's okay. Right. It's a good right. Right. Is, is Drake May that guy? I don't know. He looked he looked pretty good. You go, what do you guys think of him as like, is it hard to say? It's hard to say. Having seen him from field level. <laughs> Down I, the touchdown, I think, Bob. I think he's a, scouting. I think he's, I, you know, who knows? He threw two picks, but quarterbacks are going to do that. He was able to escape pressure. He was able to find receivers. He seems pretty accurate. Everybody seems to think he's good, right? All the right people seem to think he's good. You don't get the sense that he's Ryan Leaf, right? In no. A, in a one-two quarterback thing with Peyton Manning, that he will be also very good, if not as good as Caleb Williams, who is on the West Coast, so I never see him play, right? Uh, so, yeah, if you have one of those two top picks, seems like you're in business, more okay. do you remember what you were saying? Yeah. Okay. Why would you want to trade Kirk Cousins away? Because he can he just he basically knows where Justin Jefferson is gonna go. Cause they have been on a team for like a lot of like 
years. So why would you want to trade him away? I love that Steven's like the voice of reason. The seven-year-old is the voice of reason on the Daily Delivery podcast. I mean, that's a good point. Like everything that Justin Jefferson has done so far in his career has been with Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. And as much as we like to malign Kirk, he's had a pretty good start to the season. Like he was especially good in that Eagles game. Now there was he's fumbled fumbled twice. Brilliant throw in, in Buffalo. That really made that catch for Justin oh, Jefferson. Oh, that, that had to be probably the second Minneapolis miracle. Like, okay, Justin Jefferson's going to be good no matter who his quarterback is, but Kirk Cousins is good at getting Justin Jefferson the ball. Like, he's the kind of quarterback that when he gets a little bit of time, like, he knows where the ball is supposed to go. He will make a good receiver look good. Justin Jefferson might be sitting here thinking, I don't know if I want to play with somebody else like that. He didn't sign a quarter, he didn't sign his extension this offseason. Like, there's a lot of variables that go into this. So I think you're making a good, a good point. Like, Kirk Cousins, you better be, if you get rid of Kirk Cousins, you better be sure of what your plan is. That's, that's I guess I would say that. Yeah, cause you need like a good quarterback who can make like a connection with Justin Jefferson to get him the ball. You are making a lot of sense right now, Stephen. Probably a lot more than your dad sometimes makes. You don't even need poetry to make all these good, valid points. But that's a, I mean, these these are good points. These are probably I don't questions. Like talk about football without poetry. These are okay. questions probably for another <laughs> day. Uh, I got I got two more questions for you guys before we finish. Um, one, I want to know who, everybody who was the MVP of the weekend. Stephen. Stephen's got to be Stephen for uh, scoring two goals. Beside me. How about beside me? The cloud that gave us some brief shade on Saturday in the touchdown club. Cloud was MVP. Absolutely. Cloud was clutch. It was Um, sunny in the touchdown club. Very hot. The net. The net. The net. The net net guy was not happy with the net malfunctions, by the way. Yeah, because, like, in the beginning of the football game, the net saved us from, like, punts that could have went bad. That's true. Bad. Okay, my final question for everybody before we go, and I appreciate everybody for listening today, but my final question to everybody is, don't you think that it's finally time that the Timberwolves move to the Eastern Conference? Oh, oh just God! God.